All right, Riverhouse. Who's blessed to be in the house of God tonight? Yeah, me too. I get the privilege of introducing our guest speaker tonight. Uh, he's a new friend to me. He has uh, ministered here before, but I think I was somewhere uh, overseas. And so I didn't get to receive his ministry, but uh, Pastor Peter came with his whole team from Bethel and they ministered to us on Tuesday morning and it was just a blessed time and I've just already been touched by the humility of this man's heart and he's full of humility and he's also full of the Holy Spirit which I think is a lethal combination uh, and he's also uh, from South Africa which I love whenever God brings uh, messengers from different nations because I think there's an inheritance of Jesus to be gleaned from the different nations of the earth and so I just want us to honor Pastor Peter as he comes to minister the word of the Lord tonight and just make a deposit into Riverhouse Church. So. so glad you're here. Bring your glory. Wow. So, so good to be here. So good to be here. Thank you, Jordan and Jackie and the rest of the team for having me. Um, just so, so thankful. Um, yeah, I already feel like I'm home. I already feel like we, we only met on Tuesday. We probably only chatted for 10 minutes and maybe another 20 a uh, little earlier. And it feels like we long friends already. And yeah, just if, this is such a joy to be here. So thank you so much. Um, as Jordan said, I am from South Africa. And I moved out here nine years ago. I moved to Redding, California. And I did three years at the Bethel Ministry School. And I'm now a pastor there. And I've been there for, I've been pastoring for six years now. I came out with my wife and my two daughters. My youngest was only 13 months when we came out from South Africa, and now she's nine. And they might even be watching on live streams if they are. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow night. Can't wait. Um, yeah, it's, I, I'm just, I love being here. I'm just so thankful. So thankful. Let me just pull up some notes here. And yeah, and I have an amazing team with me too. We've, we've been around, we've been here since we got here, I think, Monday night. And we've been doing a whole lot of ministry all around. And it's been so cool what God's been doing, guys. The, we started on Tuesday morning with the Riverhouse staff, and that was a great start. We got fired up, they got fired up, and it just it got us ready for more. And can I read a few testimonies of some of the things that have happened this week? I thought you might say yes. Um, some of the healings that we've seen, uh, someone couldn't turn their head from a car accident, a whiplash. They got some prayer and they were healed. Uh, strengths, they're a whole bunch. You can hold off the woohoos, I think. <laughs> Strength returned to someone's neck where muscles had been severed. And yeah, that, that all the pain came, uh, pain left, strength came back, neck pain gone, mobility restored. There's a lot of neck stuff going on. If you're here in the room and you're needing uh, healing in your neck, just receive this. Uh, ringing and ears gone. Someone was limping. We prayed for their left knee and she, she was completely healed and started jumping around. I watched that happen in front of me. It was so cool. Uh, someone's sense of smell returned. Uh, they lost it two years ago with COVID. So how many, how many of you need your sense of smell res restored? If that's you, just take it. In Jesus' name, be healed. 
chronic migraines healed. We saw a lot of back pain removed, ringing in ears and hearing loss restored, floaters and eye removed, hip pain healed, neck soreness, discomfort healed, uh, more COVID long-term effects healed, hand pain, dizziness. Two people got saved in a bar. <laughs> yeah, 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 come on now. Uh, a girl was healed from back pain and hemorrhoids and issues in the pelvic area. Stomach pain left. Wrist pain went from level 10 to like less than a level 4. Pain in, in foot left. How's this one? Someone's little toe got healed. Their pinky toe got healed. Which, it sounds, it sounds so small, but this person had surgery scheduled for this week for his left toe. And he's, now, he's able to cancel it. And then that same guy, his shoulder and neck got healed. We saw ears open. We've seen pain in left knee healed, right elbow healed, floaters gone again, another left shoulder healed, back pain gone, knee pain gone, lots of knees being healed this week. We saw a leg grow out. We saw someone with vertigo healed and anxiety and depression leave. We saw a tumor um, shrink and shrivel up. God's been on the move. That's just in five days. And a whole bunch of that was just out on the streets. We did do a healing service on Friday night at Valley Church, and we saw a bunch of healings happen there. But a lot of what I've just said to you now, those happened just out in the streets. We even we had a group go into the, into the Capitol, and they got to pray with some of the state representatives. And it was just... It's, the doors that have been opening have been so wild, so fun, so fun. So on Tuesday morning, I got to share with the staff, and I just shared a prophetic word. Justin invited me, I think, on, on Monday night. He was like, hey, last-minute opening. Can you come uh, minister at the staff meeting? So I was like, okay, cool. And as he said that, just something dropped in my spirit. I had a word for, for the church. And apparently it was a good word because Jordan asked me to come and share it. I'm sorry, I should call you Pastor Jordan, right? Is that okay? <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that. I don't have people call me Pastor Peter, so forgive me. I'll call you Pastor Jordan. <laughs> you deserve the respect. Um, so anyway, he, he then asked me to come and share it with you guys. So that's, that's what I'm doing today. And I don't feel like I'm going to say anything to you guys that you haven't heard before. And I don't think I'm even going to say anything to you that is not already available to you. But I do believe that as I share it with you, something's going to be released. Do you know how kind of sometimes we, we contend for healing or something? And I know at, at Bethel, Bill Johnson, he, he longed to see healings happen. And he prayed for so many people and nothing was happening. And then he went to a vineyard meeting and he just was in the presence of somebody who walked in healing and suddenly something changed in him and he went back to his to to Bethel church and he started praying for people and suddenly healings were happening now healings are always available right they're available to everybody and it's the same what I'm going to share with you today it's been available all the time but I do feel like as I share it it's opening something up in the spirit realm that's that's giving you even greater access to it 
if that makes sense. So I've been in, been in Acts, the book of Acts, quite a lot lately. Um, probably about six months ago, the Lord told me to read the book of Acts. And I was like, okay, God, like, how, how often do you want me to read this? Or how long, for how long? And he was like, until you get it. Until you get it. So I'm still reading it six months later because I don't think I've got it. There's some good stuff in Acts. I want to walk like they walked. I want to live like the early church lived, where they turned the world upside down. They were so full of power. Wherever they went, they just saw signs, wonders, and miracles. I want to be like that. I want to be like Stephen. I want to be like Stephen. Where Stephen, in Acts chapter 6, he's described as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Who wants to be described as full of the Holy Spirit? I could think of no better description for me. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm there, but I want to be there. I want people to say, oh, I met Peter. He was so full of the Holy Spirit. And Stephen, Stephen was being persecuted. He was, he was brought before the council, and he gave this amazing message. And he just runs through the history of, of the Israelites all the way from Abraham through. And I'm going to just pull out a few things for you, and I think this is going to bless you guys. So I'm going to start from Acts chapter 7, and I'm going to read from verse 20. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, your brothers, why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now, when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. In a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to, near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. I find it so fascinating that Moses had this call in his heart when he was 40 years old. He, he grew up in Pharaoh's house. So from the age of three months, he grew up as a prince. He grew up as the, as the grandson of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So you've got to imagine that he would have received the best education possible. You've got to imagine that he had all the wisdom of, of the Egyptians. Like he knew his stuff. 
He was equipped. He, he knew. He had all the knowledge that he needed. He also had position. He had status. He had authority. And he had a call. God put something on his heart that he was to take the Israelites out of Egypt. And so he tried to do it. He tried to do it based on, on the fact that he was a prince in Pharaoh's house. Based on the fact that he was educated. He tried to do it in his own strength. And God had put the desire in his heart. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that when God created him and put him in Pharaoh's house, that he was called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. I'm so sure of that. But the timing wasn't right. And he tried to do it in his own strength. He tried to do it under a, a different authority, under a different anointing. God had called him to, to set his captives free. But we can't do it in our own strength. We cannot set the captives free unless we are anointed with the Spirit of God. And he tried to set the captives free based on authority and power and education, which are all fine. There's nothing wrong with those things, but they're not enough to extend the kingdom. And then, so he tried and it backfired, didn't work out. He then fled, went into the wilderness. Moses liked the wilderness, it seems. So he spent 40 years there just being a shepherd boy and he got married, had a couple kids and then just being a shepherd in the wilderness, he's wandering around and he sees this bush and this bush was on fire and I, I think it probably wasn't an abnormal sight being in a desert. It probably wasn't too unusual to see a bush burning, but he noticed that it wasn't burning up. It wasn't being consumed. So he turned aside. He turned aside and looked, and out of the bush, a voice came. The Lord spoke to him. And that, that moment, was that's what changed his life. Because he turned aside, and because he, he recognized the anointing, he recognized what God was doing, and God then said to him, hey, this ground, it's holy ground, and then he reiterated the call that was on his heart. He reminded Moses, hey, Moses, this is why I've created you. Remember 40 years earlier when you tried? Yeah, that was, that was good. I've actually got the same mission for you, but this time I'm anointing you to do it. This time I'm giving you what you really need to do it. The education, great. The position, the status, that's all fine. Nothing wrong with those things, but they're not enough. Moses, you need the anointing. You need the presence of God. And the reason I'm saying this to you guys is I believe Riverhouse is in a time where the, the burning bush is available to you. There, there is an anointing available to you. And, and again, like I said earlier, this is not something new. But I do believe you're in a season where there, there is an availability for you to receive a fresh anointing to do the things that God has called you to do. God has called you as a house to impact this city, to impact the state, to impact the world. But I promise you, you can't do it in your own strength. You can only do it in the anointing. You have to, we have to receive the anointing of the Lord to do the things that he's called us to do. And if we don't have the anointing, we're going to go out and we're just going to probably make a mess. We're going to create more religion. And more form. 
And we don't need any more of that. We really, really do not need any more of that. I know this, this church, this house is called to impact the political world. It's called to impact all the different spheres of society. I know you are. But you know what's going to impact the world? The kingdom. It's the kingdom. The world needs the kingdom right now. The world does not need clever ideas. Listen, the church has been waiting for the government and, and world leaders to bring change. And to start implementing all these, these good laws, which are all fine. But that's not going to change the world. That is not what the world is looking for. The world is looking for the church to rise up. The world is waiting for you and I to rise up and be who God has created us to be. Now, we all have this desire inside of us. It is in us. I believe it with all my heart. I believe when we were created, God created us with a purpose to, to bring change and to extend the kingdom. It is in us, just as it was in Moses. Just as he had that desire to set the captives free, we have it in us. And I believe, church, that we're in a season right now where there's an anointing available. It's a fresh anointing available. We just need to turn aside. We need to turn aside. We can't afford to not turn aside. The bush is burning, and it's burning brightly, and it feels like there's an urgency in the spirit. And the Lord is saying, turn aside because I need to anoint you for what I've called you to do. I remember when I was about t probably 21 years old, I felt like the Lord called me to full-time ministry. And it was clear. Like, you know how sometimes you can feel something and you're not sure if it's the Lord. But this one, I was like, I know it's the Lord. And in my zeal, probably about a year later, I had a decent job at the time. But in my zeal, I was like, no, I'm called to full-time ministry. I'm going to leave my job and doors are going to open up for me. Churches are going to start calling me up and saying, yeah, we're so proud of you. Well done for your faith, your step of faith. Here we go. Here's an opportunity. Come and lead our church. Come be an associate pastor, whatever it is. I just expected doors to open up. And so I, I left my job. And the result of that was that I was unemployed. <laughs> and, and I stayed unemployed for a while. And then I had to humble myself and get another job and work my way back up in the corporate world. And I probably worked for another 10 to 12 years before the Lord called us to go to Bethel and spend three years studying there. And those three years studying there, that was like my burning bush moment. That, that was where I got the anointing to do what God had called me to do 15 years before. And, and I feel like a lot of you, you've been sitting on your dreams. There's, there's been a call. And this is the time. I, I'm convinced this is the season for you to, to receive the anointing to step into it. And some of you, you may have given up. Maybe some of you have tried in your own strength to step into it. I want to encourage you. Don't, don't give up. Please don't give up hope. It's, it's still possible. We just need the Lord. We just need a fresh touch from Him. And then everything can be restored. So I, I want to use the same analogy, but I'm going to um, 
look at two other verses. In John chapter 20, Jesus, he's, he's just been raised from the dead, and he appears to his disciples, and he says, peace, I leave with you, and all this stuff, and then he says, and then he breathes the Holy Spirit, and he says, receive the Spirit of God, and he breathes on them, and we need the breath of God. That was beautiful for them. And you know what's so fascinating? I love, I absolutely love this. The disciples, they had spent three years with Jesus. They had the best training. That, like we could not get any better ministry training than spending three years with Jesus. He, they had heard it all. They had seen it all. They, they watched how he did things. And he even breathed the Holy Spirit on them. I think when we receive the breath of the Holy Spirit, I think that's our, our transformation. I think that's when we become new creations and our old heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh and we become righteous and holy in His sight. We become new. The breath of God is for us. The breath of God changes us. And I believe it changed the disciples in that moment. But just in the next breath, Jesus says to them, oh, by the way, all that training, all those three years of discipleship, the breath of the Holy Spirit, yeah, that's not enough. You still need to wait for the baptism of power. You need to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I believe that we're in a season of receiving a fresh outpouring of his power. I believe we've received his breath. And, I, and I'm not saying that we haven't received the power. I'm not saying we haven't received a baptism. I'm saying there's more. I'm saying there's more. And, and I want us to quickly look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 from verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Fascinating question. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The disciples were still waiting for Jesus. They, they thought that he was going to um, become the king, the ruler still. They were thinking, mil had a military mindset still. They still had like a governmental mindset, and they thought that Jesus was going to now come and become king. That was originally what they thought that the Messiah was going to do. And they were still thinking that now that he was raised from the dead. They were still thinking in those terms. And so they're like, hey, Jesus, how about now? You're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I love Jesus' response. He answers, there's, there's three parts to this question. The first one is timing. The second one, he, he addresses the restoration of the kingdom. And then he speaks to the where, the Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. So he addresses the timing. He's like, none of your business. <laughs> but now he addresses the restoration of the kingdom part. 
He says, don't worry about the timing. And also, I'm not going to be the one restoring the kingdom. But you, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we walk in the power of the Spirit, we are restoring the kingdom. It's our responsibility. Jesus put it back on them. They said, Jesus, are you going to restore it? He puts it straight back on them. He's like, no, no, no. It's not actually going to be restored by me. It's going to be restored by you. But you need the power of the Spirit. It is ultimately being restored by God, but through us. We cannot do it in our own strength. Just like Moses, we can't do it in his own strength. We need the anointing. We need the power. And then he addresses the where. Is it going to be in Israel? And he says, yeah, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. Those are all in Israel. And then he says, oh, and also to the end of the earth. This house is called to be full of the Holy Spirit and to be his witnesses in Boise, in Caldwell, in wherever. I don't know this area very well, but in all the surrounding regions and to the ends of the earth. All the way to South Africa. It says that you'll be my witnesses. Do you know that that word witnesses can also be translated martyrs? Yeah, we don't love that one so much, eh? <laughs> but guys, it's a time just to lay down everything for the kingdom. This is, this is the time. Like, there, there's an urgency in the spirit. I don't know if you guys can feel it, but there's an urgency in the spirit for us to rise up and be the people that God's created us to be. And that looks like laying everything down. I'm not saying we, we, we're going to die and be martyrs. But what if, what if we do? Is it really the end of the world? We're just going to go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus. I don't, I don't want to be a martyr. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I don't want to be killed. <laughs> but, but I believe when we're full of the Spirit, we'll do anything. We will do anything for Him. Nothing's going to hold us back. Thank you. So some of you might be saying, well, I, I want the Spirit. I, I really do. I long for it. Like, how? What do I, what do I need to do? Well, good question. I, I want to look at, look at Moses again. In Exodus 17, there's a story about the Israelites. So Moses now, now he's, he's got them in the wilderness, got the Israelites out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And they're on their journey. Now, the wilderness is it's a dry place. And they don't have any water, so they go to Moses, and they start grumbling, and they start moaning. They say, Moses, did you just bring us out of Israel, uh, out of Egypt, just to kill us in the desert? Come on. What's going on? Why didn't you just leave us there? At least we had something to drink. And so Moses goes to God and says, God, what do I do? How do I help these people? How do I give them water? And God gives them a solution. And so Exodus 17, I'm going to read from... 
verse 4. So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you strike the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did that, and water came out. I love this story. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, and I love how Paul interprets Scripture for us. Scripture interprets Scripture. And Paul says that the rock represents Christ. So effectively, what, what God was saying to Moses is, hey, I want you to go strike the rock. Christ is the rock. I want you to strike Christ. I want you to strike Jesus. I want you to crucify Jesus. It's a representation of the crucif- crucifixion of Jesus. It's a representation of the cross. When Jesus had died, streams of living water could flow out. The river, the life could flow out. The presence could flow out of him. Okay? Then look at Numbers 20. There's a very similar situation. Um, The Israelites again, thirsty, almost a repeat of the situation. This time, God gives Moses a slightly different instruction. And from, uh, this is Numbers 20 and verse 8. This is what God says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And now Moses was getting a bit riled up. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. What was the instruction? God said, Speak to the rock. But he struck it again. Now the rock represents Christ. So Moses tried to crucify Christ again. But Christ had already been crucified. He didn't need to do it again. He didn't need to work or perform for the presence. All he had to do was speak. All he had to do was communicate. It was now relationship. He had been brought into relationship with God. And now all he had to do was ask. So what's the punishment for Moses? I always thought, wow, Moses did such a great job at bringing the Israelites to this point. He makes one simple mistake And God then says, oh, by the way, Moses, because you didn't listen to what I said, you're not going to enter the promised land. I I remember reading that as a kid thinking, man, that's harsh. He's done so much good. One mistake, and now he can't enter the promised land. And he's put up with these guys for 40 years. Man, that's harsh. But it's because he tried to crucify the Christ a second time. He tried to earn his way. He tried to earn the presence. He tried to earn and work, he tried to work for the Spirit of God. And that, Galatians 5 said, says, is when you fall from grace. When you go back under the law and you try to work, do something in your own strength, 
you fall from grace. You don't fall from grace by sinning or anything like that. That's not good. We don't want to be sinning. But you fall from grace when you try and earn the, the, the grace of God in your own strength. So how do we receive the Spirit? We just ask. We just believe. We just position ourselves. Just as Moses saw it, all he did was turn aside and then the Lord spoke to him. He, all he had to do was turn aside. God did the rest. All we need to do is turn aside. Oh, God, thank you. You've already done it. You've paid the price. He has. He's paid the price. He has qualified us to receive the Spirit. He's done everything. Acts chapter 3. Uh, Acts chapter 2, actually. Verse 33. It says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Jesus being exalted at the right hand of the Father, that's what qualifies us. It's because he's exalted that we can receive the Spirit. Not because I've done anything. I, I cannot do anything to earn the spirit of the living God, the pure, beautiful, holy spirit. How on earth can I earn that? I cannot. There's nothing I'll ever do to deserve it. But Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has taken our old nature. When he died, when he was buried and crucified, we were crucified with him. Our old nature was crucified, taken care of once and for all. The very nature that kept us separated from God, that has been taken care of. It died on the cross, crucified once and for all. It was buried in the grave. It will, that's it. Your, your old nature is in the grave. And then when Jesus rose from the dead, you rose with him as a new creation, as a brand new creation in righteousness, holiness, blamelessness. That is who you are. That is who we are. That is our nature. And that is what qualifies us. Only what he's done for us. It's the cross and the cross alone. Guys, we're called to change this world. Every one of you are called to change. And I'm not saying you are going to change the whole world. You can change your world. You can change your family the business that you work in. God has called you to be full of the Holy Spirit and to be his witnesses in your family, to your neighbor, to your business, to your colleagues, wherever it is, wherever you, wherever you have influence, he has called you to bring change. But we can't do it without him. We cannot do it without him. We need to just rely on Him. We need to lean into Him. We need to trust Him. We need to ask for more. Oh, I, I love the season that this church is in. I absolutely love the season that this church is in. I feel like this is a very, very significant, pivotal moment for this house and for each one of you.
I actually, I don't know how to express what I'm feeling. But there is a call of God on your lives. There is a call of God on each and every one of you. And this is the time to turn aside and say, God, I need the anointing to be able to carry out the call that you've put on my life. I need it, God. I need it. I cannot move forward without it. I cannot do the things that you've called me to do unless you anoint me. This is the time. This is the time, church. We can't be messing around any longer. We can't be waiting. We can't be victims of a government any longer. We can't be victims. And I'm not getting political. I'm not political. I'm just saying we can't wait for others to take charge. It's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to rulers, powers, and authorities in the heavenly places. Jesus is the head of the church, and he's fierce, and he's wild. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's waiting for his body to look like him. We are not called to be tame. We are not called to be tame, church. We're called to be wild. We're called to look like him. We need to let whatever is taming us, whatever is holding us back, we need to get rid of those things. We need to do whatever it takes to start looking like him. We, will tr we transform by the renewing of our minds. And if we're not transformed by the renewing of our minds, we're going to be conformed to this world. We will be conned into looking like this world. The lies of this world are going to come and make us look like the world. We need to be transformed to the truth. We need to be transformed in our minds. We need to start believing what God says about us. We need to start believing who he is and who he says we are. And if we don't get there, we, we're just going to just keep floating through life. We're not called to float through life. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And I'm convinced that this house is not called to float through life. I love that this, this church is called River House. And I know Ezekiel 47, right, is like your foundational scripture or one of them. Um, that is one of my life verses, my life passages. I see 47 everywhere. From when I was like 25 or so, I would just see the number 47 Everywhere. It's like every truck had 47 on the back of it. Every time I looked at the clock, it was 47 past. And the Lord spoke to me and he told me it was Ezekiel 47. And so I've been in that passage of scripture for 15, 20 years now. And I love it. And I feel like we are at a place where we can't, we can't just stay ankle deep anymore. We can't just stay knee deep anymore. We can't even be waist deep. It's time to go all in. It's time to go all in. We, we can't compromise any longer. You know, when, we, when we're waist deep, half of us is in the presence, but the other half is still being influenced by the world. It's time to go all in. Come on, let's dive into the river. Let's dive into the presence because the world needs us. This is not about us. You have the breath. You have the breath. You have it in you. You are good. But we need the power for the world. The world needs more. For the sake of the world, just turn aside to the burning bush. Turn aside 
and start asking. Start asking for more. I believe there's, there's like an open heaven over this place. I, I, I truly do believe it. And I believe even now, like as I'm speaking, that some of you are going to start feeling the presence. I, I, I believe the, the burning bush, it's the fire of God. I believe some of you are going to start feeling the fire. You're going to start feeling the heat. You're going to start feeling it come upon you. And that's okay. It's not just the lights. It's hot up here, but you're going to feel the presence. Who wants it? Just start asking. Just start asking him. Don't, don't beg. Don't try, fight, don't try strive for it. Just start asking just as a son. Just as a son or a daughter. Just start asking. God, we need you. God, we need your presence. We need your anointing, God. This world needs it. It's not just about us, God. This is not about us. This is not just about us, God. God, baptize us afresh. I ask God, and I thank you. I thank you, God, for the, this burning bush season. I thank you for the burning bush season that this house is in. And God, I ask right now that the fire of God will be poured out. The fire of God will be poured out. That the fire of God will be poured out. That the fire of God will be poured out, God. Let the fire of God be poured out. Let the fire of God be poured out, God. Let the fire of God be poured out all across this room. God, we need it. We need it, God. We need it. If you're feeling the presence, would you mind standing? If you feel it, whether it's heat, whether you, you feel shaking, whether you just, whatever you feel, if you're crying, whatever, if you can just stand, if you're feeling the presence of God on you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, we just bless what you're doing right now. I thank you. Thank you for your spirit that's moving. I thank you for your spirit that's moving. I thank you that you are pouring out your presence afresh. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just ask for more right now in Jesus' name. I just pray for an increase right now, God. Take us, God, from waist deep. Take us all the way in, God. We ask for more fire in Jesus' name. We ask for more fire in Jesus' name. God, the world needs your fire. The world needs your fire, God. We, we ask for more, God. We ask for more, God. We ask for more, God. Pour it out upon us. Pour it out upon us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Pour it out, God. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. I'd love my team just to start moving around and just laying hands on those that are standing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Pour it out, God. Pour it out, God. Pour it out. Thank you, God. We're just going to stay here for a moment. I just believe the Lord is wanting to touch a few of you and mark a few of you. His presence is so good. Thank you, God. We honor your presence. We honor your presence in this room. We honor your presence. We don't take it for granted, God. We know that you paid a very high price for us to encounter you. And we honor you, God. We honor your presence, God. We honor what you've done for us. We honor your grace. We honor your kindness. We thank you, God. We thank you for your kindness, God.
We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the cross that has made all this possible. Thank you for choosing us, God. Thank you for choosing us to be your witnesses. Thank you for choosing us to be your witnesses, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Here we are, God. Use us. We can't do it in our own strength. We need your power. We need your power. We need your power. We need your anointing. Thank you, God. More, God. More, God. More, God. More, God. More, God. Increase it. Increase it. Increase, increase, increase. All across the room. Increase it, God. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. We bless what you're doing, God. We bless what you're doing. We bless what you're doing. Thank you, God. We bless what you're doing all across this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We bless what you're doing, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, we need more. We need more. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. 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 Let it be in Boise on earth, in Boise as it is in heaven, God. Let it be in Boise as it is in heaven. God, we cannot do that. We cannot carry out that mandate unless we have your presence, unless we have the baptism of your power. We need your power, God. We need your power. Randy Clark, who's, who I have a lot of respect for, he says, the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just speaking in tongues or shaking or laughing, but it's that we move in power. It's that we move in power. Guys, the Holy Spirit is not just an emotional support animal anymore. He's not just the one who's going to make us feel good about ourselves. He's not just here to comfort us all the time. Yes, He is the comforter. Yes, He's the teacher. Yes, He's the Spirit of love. He makes us feel great about ourselves, but He's here to empower us to change the world. He is a roaring lion and He wants to take ground. It's time for us to partner with Him. It's time for us to be fierce with Him.